excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. Guys, throughout this series, we're going to start with these two verses every single week. So you can go ahead and pin mark it, put your ribbon in there, whatever it is you want to do. Amen. You're always the first one. I swear you are. You're a suck up. That's, that's good. Cool. I love it. Amen. There's number two. Amen. All right, y'all calm down. Y'all going to scare all the visitors away. <laughs> all right. 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 reads, All Scripture is God-breed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you. Father, I thank you so much for this congregation, uh, Father, this church. Um, Father, you always remind me about how great this church is every single Sunday. Um, Father, I just thank you for continuing to, uh, to give me confirmation. Uh, Father, this church was, was started... It was started for you, Father, but most importantly, it was starting at the, it was started at the right time. Uh, again, I thank you for that confirmation constantly, Father. Uh, Father, I just lift this congregation up to you today. I have no doubt that um, we've got some people that are struggling through some tough seasons. Uh, Father, we talked about that last week. I've talked to a lot of people this past week about that. And uh, Father, I just need them to know you're there. I just ask that you reach out and touch them. Hug them, Father. Let them know you're there. So, Father, again, today you've given me a, a sermon. Father, this is something I've taught on before. You, you've definitely come in and changed some things. I know why. And, uh, Father, I just ask that you continue uh, to give me the words today through this service. And, Father, to make sure that they're your words and not mine. So, Father, in this moment, I'm asking that you anoint me. Father, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, that you take all of my lack of courage, um, my pridefulness, my attitude, and my anger. Father, you take that away from me and you replace it with your love, your peace, your knowledge. Father, your courage. I ask these things in your name. It's to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. Oh. Guys, we learned this last week. I'm going to repeat it again. A Christian's greatest problem is not Satan. A Christian's greatest problem is not sin. In the Bible, God tells us what the greatest problem for a Christian actually is. It's in Hosea 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Okay. Guys, here's the thing, and I said this again last week. I'm going to repeat myself through this series, so just get ready for it. Satan does come to kill, steal, and destroy. He is very dangerous. However, if you don't have the knowledge to fight him, you will die. You will be destroyed. Guys, you have to concentrate on getting as much knowledge as possible to fight the evil one. And that's what this series is all about. Um, there was a blonde lady. I'm going to do another blonde joke. 
because I'm a blonde and I can do that. You know, okay, so, 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 so this blonde lady, she, she decides she, she's going to go apply for a job that she saw in the paper, and it was for a police officer's position. So she, why is that funny? I even said the joke. I'm laughing. <laughs> so the lady walks in, and, and she's getting interviewed by this, uh, this other policeman and uh, lieutenant, and, 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 and he's running through all these different questions, and she's doing really good until it got to, like, basic knowledge questions. And he asked her the question. He said, ma'am, he said, who killed Abraham Lincoln? She sat there for a minute, scratched her head, and she said, you know, I, I don't know. He said, okay. He said, well, here, you go home. I want you to study on this and, and, and let me know when, you, when you, you know, get the answer. So she goes home. Her mother calls, wants to check and see how the interview went. She said, it went great. I'm already on a case. I'm trying to figure out who killed this guy named Abraham Lincoln. That wasn't as funny as last week's joke. <laughs> Guys, lack of knowledge, again, it will get you destroyed. Lack of knowledge can make you look very stupid. can make you look very, very weak. So important that, again, we gain as much as possible. The more knowledge you have about an opponent, obviously, the better you're going to defeat them. I said this, you know, it's like a football coach. It's like any coach. You know, you study your opponent. You figure out their weaknesses. And that's where you start to attack. It's no different with Satan. It's no different with this world. We have to equip ourselves to be able to handle those certain attacks. This week, we're going to continue this sermon series entitled, What Every Christian Ought to Know. That is one ugly dude. I'm sorry. God, forgive me. Everybody's beautiful. It's fine. Each week during this series, I'll be teaching on topics that every Christian, again, should know. Uh, we came up with this a few weeks ago. We passed, uh, we had everybody fill out, you know, any question that they may have, no matter how big or how small. And I took all of those, and we took some more last week as well. Thank you all for filling those out. And was able to study on those. And I picked out from that the ones that were asked, obviously, the most. Um, Last week, we discussed that every Christian ought to know that the Bible is the true word of God, and we talked about how we have factual, historical evidence of that and scientific evidence of that. So that way, if anybody ever tries to come at you and tell you it's not real, you have those statistics, you have those facts that you can give back to them that, again, I don't see how in the world they could complain with that. Then we also followed that up with what is a season in life? What is a season in a Christian walk? Um, and, and I tell you, that one was completely, God threw that on me Sunday morning to talk about. And um, I was very excited to see him move a lot of people this past Sunday. Um, in fact, let's take five seconds, give God another round of applause for last Sunday. There are a few questions that you guys asked. Uh, I'm not going to actually add to this series, and the reason why is a lot of these I just preached on or I've preached on before, and there were a lot of other questions that a lot of people asked. But if I get something that, again, maybe just you add, one person asked, maybe two, I'm going to kind of point out where you can go with it. Nick, if you could pull up that first one. Uh, okay, so, so a lot of people did ask this question, but we just preached on this three months ago. You know, or how am I hearing God? How do you know that God speaks to you? So I wanted to pull this up for you guys. If you get a chance, if you've got that question, go to YouTube, and you can pull these up, and you can watch those two sermons, okay? It's just a short series is what that is. If you pull up the other one for me, Nick. Uh, I had some people ask about suicide. 
had some people ask about divorce, and I had some people ask about forgiveness. These are, again, three sermons that we've got on YouTube that you can go to and watch that we've preached in the past uh, that, that are excellent on, on these topics. So if you guys, again, have those questions, I want to make sure that I'm trying to answer all of them, even if I'm not answering from up here. Understood? Excellent. All right, so now, now we're going to get to what we got going on today. Continuing the series today, uh, we're going to start with what a lot of Christians do not like to talk about, myself included, and that's money. Mm, yeah, I heard you. Money and the church. That's what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> I want you to notice something right here. What should I give to the church? That's the question that I received a lot this past week. And I actually had, I changed the wording. Because a lot of the questions were, what should I tithe to the church? I threw tithe out, and I put give in there. And I need you to understand why. Christian Warriors Church is not a tithing church. We're a giving church. That's what we do. We give in a lot of different ways, and that's what we're going to talk about today. First and foremost, before I go any further on money, I need you guys to understand something right now. The money that you have, that you earn through your job, or were given by family, if, if you're fortunate like that, or the money that somehow you've earned in some kind of way, I need you to understand, so that's not your money. It's not your money. It's God's money. I need you all to get that in your heads right now before I continue on with this sermon today. Show of hands who heard what I just said. I hope everybody's got their hands right. There's a few that don't. Okay, well, I'll hit rewind. It's not your money. It's God's money. The word tithe that is used way too often at the church, guys, truth be told, it's used incorrectly, to be honest with you. See, tithe means 10%, right? That's what it means, 10%. So when somebody comes up to me and they're making, you know, I know they're making a million dollars a year, and they're telling me they come to me and say, well, I tithe $100 a week to the church. That's not 10%. Tithe is 10%. The word tithe, in my opinion, again, is used incorrectly in the church. And here's the big problem. This is what I get so frustrated with, with tithing. Why in the world am I going to look at each one of y'all in this church and say, I need you to tithe 10%? Why would I put a cap on what God may want you to give? Y'all follow me? Okay. A lot of the reasons why, I got to find these in my notes real quick because I'm going way off script here. We'll hit rewind. I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. And I, and I got to make dang sure I get all these points across. The 10% tithe rule has been forced on a lot of Christians, obviously, their entire life. But God wants you to give what is on your heart. I want to look at 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, so again, why has the church decided that they want to teach you 10%, 10%, tithe, tithe, and tithe? Because they don't trust you. They don't trust the congregation. They don't trust that you're going to listen to what the Holy Spirit puts on your heart to give, so they're shoving 10% 
down your throat constantly. Guys, I, I don't... I, I, I'm not going to sit up here and, and teach about money. Um, I preached one sermon on money. This will be the second one in three years that I've talked about money. I don't like talking about money. I'll be honest with you. I don't feel it's a problem. Let me tell you why. God has supplied every need that we have had for this church since day one. And I've preached on money one time. I think it's proof that there's no need to shove this down y'all's throats, right? A lot of churches, again, this is what they talk about. I was talking to a gentleman the other day, and he told me, he said, man, I visited this church, and he said, I visited three times in two months, and all three times he talked about money. I don't want to waste my time talking about that. I would rather teach y'all how to hear and listen to the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you will give what he tells you to give. I need you to understand, guys, God's not after your money. He's after your heart. Speaking of heart, I want to go look at what Jesus says about it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. When you read the word treasure, guys, in this verse, what comes to mind? Money? According to this verse, if your treasure is money, then it is the desire of your heart, and therefore it has become a love to you. And according to the Bible, this will bring evil into your life. 1 Timothy 6.10 For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. If you love money, evil will come. I need you to grasp that today, CWs. If you love money, it is the root of all evil. <laughs> every time I hear that, I think about, every time I read that verse, this is going to sound really bad. I think about the great 20th century poet, Biggie Smalls. He says, more money, more problems, you know. I'm going to continue. Some of my elders are looking at me like, who's Biggie Smalls? <laughs> right, the great, the great poet. Yeah, some of them are like right now pulling it up on Google thinking it's a great poet. Don't do that. But Michael, what do I do if I don't have much money to give? Uh, what I can give will not make a difference. Uh, if that's your attitude, guys, you're not going to receive any more of what you have. I want you to look at Luke 16.10. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in larger ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Okay, so I wanted to point this out to you guys today. And again, I hate talking about money. It is not something that I ever like to talk about. However, If you want to be blessed more in a certain department in your life that God has already blessed you in, 
if you want to be blessed more, you got to manage what he's given you already. If he's given you a lot of money and you've squandered it away and you blew it on things, why would he bless you with more? Now, I'm talking about money, but I need you to understand it's not just money we're talking about right here. This is every blessing in life. If he blesses you with children, but you don't treat them right, why is he going to bless you with more love from another child? If he blesses you with tons of friends and you stab them in the back, why is he going to bless you with more people to stab in the back? Jesus is trying to tell us again something very important right here in this verse. You must be faithful and honest with what you have in order to receive more. For example, uh, well, <laughs> some of you may say, Micah, I have no money to give the church. Okay, I want to talk about this real quick because I get this question a lot. You know, Micah, I don't have any money to give the church. Well, I, I get that. Trust me, I understand there's seasons that way, but here's the question I want you to ask yourself. How many times you go to Starbucks this week? How many apps did you buy on your phone this week? How many times did you go out to eat this week? How much jewelry did you buy this week? Dad, <laughs> nah, that's, yeah. Now listen. Guys, I need you to understand, I'm not trying to guilt you into giving. But I do want you to really think about where you're investing your money. Do you understand there's no better investment in this world than God's house and his church and his kingdom? You know, that's how I started to look at it. I call it kingdom investment. That's what I call it. You know, you can go and invest in a lot of stocks, a lot of stocks. Kingdom investment never hits zero, guys. Never going to go broke with that. As long as you're investing in him and building that kingdom, it's only going to be a positive outcome. It's only going to climb. Never goes down in value. So I want you to think about that the next time you say you don't have any money to give. Where are you investing it? Keep in mind, again, you don't have to give 10%. Um, I need you to give what God puts on your heart. I don't care if it's 1% of your income. I don't care if it's a half a percent. I don't care if it's 100%. At Christian Warriors Church, we want you to give exactly what God says, not a dollar more and not a dollar less. And I need you to understand why. If you give me more than what God told you to give me, I'll be honest with you, I don't want it. I'm a little concerned to where that's going to go. If God gives you a number, that's exactly what you need to give the church. If God tells you zero, you don't give the church. I'm going to get to more of that in just a minute. If he tells you to give your whole paycheck, you give your whole paycheck. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. He's asked me to do a lot of crazy things with my income. But I'll say this, every time I've done it, the kingdom was built, and I received major blessings. 
And I need you to understand something. It wasn't always money. Nick, I didn't give you a slide for this. I was actually reading this back in the study. If you got your Bibles, and I hope you do, go to Mark chapter 12. He slapped me in the face with this today because I was trying to figure out how to say this to the congregation, and then he gave me a story. Chapter 12, we're going to read verses 41 through 44. It's a real short story. Most of y'all know it. But I want y'all to see what he gave me out of this. Forty-one. Yeah, twelve. What did I say? Did I did I say twelve? This is my. I had to ask my dyslexic self. I might have said twenty-one. You know. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people, excuse me, many rich people in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Now here's what I need you to visualize here. Jesus is in this temple. Okay, these boxes were mounted to the walls. It was like a it was like a like a metal box, okay? And people would come by, all these rich people, like he said, most of them were rich people were coming by and they're dropping their money in there. Okay, well, back then you didn't have paper money, right? It was coins. So all you're hearing the whole time is just, you know, just dropping the whole time, right? Just ting, 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 ting. Sound like a casino in there. Your pastor's been to a casino. Of course, nowadays they don't have the coins. You know, it's like a card or something. They got, that was the best part was all the coins. But anyway... It's what it sounded like. And then all of a sudden, he hears, and that's it. Catch this. Jesus immediately called his disciples to him. So Jesus hears, and immediately he says, hey, you guys, come here. When Jesus, by the way, gathers his disciples, I need y'all to understand something. Listen. When you're reading your Bible and it says he gathered the disciples, listen, you are a disciple. You need to listen to what he's got to tell you. I tell you the truth. The poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Now, I got a question for you. Can you do that? In today's world, could you right now? And I'm not talking about giving it here at this church. I need you to understand something. I'm talking about giving it to the kingdom. I don't care if it's a mission trip. I don't care if it's to a youth group. I don't care if it's to somebody that God just says, go give them your check, because that's building the kingdom. Okay? I need you to understand that. Yes, we would love for you to give money to this church. It helps us out, okay? We can... We can do good things with it, and y'all can see what we've done with the money. We put it back into the church. You know, nobody in here gets paid. Nobody's on salary. But I need y'all to understand, we would appreciate that. And if God tells you to do it, you do it. But if God tells you to give it to some homeless man over here on the street corner, you give it to him because he's trying to build his kingdom through you. 
And you need to listen to that. I don't care how you do it, guys. Just be obedient to when he asks you to build it financially. Understood? I need y'all to get that right now. I don't, hmm, I can't say that. Money is not my number one priority here at all. At all. My number one priority is making sure y'all hear the Holy Spirit, y'all grasp him, and then y'all go build the kingdom. You understand? So in this moment, this woman gives everything she has. And as I'm reading this today, I'm like, God, you've shown me this a hundred times. What are you trying to tell me? He says, Micah, it's not about the amount of the giving. It's about the spirit of the giving. And when he told me that, I broke down. Because I'm not going to lie. I'm just as guilty as probably everybody in here. I've given in not a cheerful way. I've given money that I was scared to death to give. And, and then I, I've even heard him tell me to give money and I didn't give it because I was scared. And I think about this woman who had two pennies, two copper coins, and she gave it all for the love of God. Who am I to not listen to him? God didn't even tell her to do it, y'all. I need you to grasp this. She did it because she loved him. Y'all feel me? He didn't even ask. She did it because she loved him. She wanted to build the kingdom. She wanted to help. And I sit back sometimes, and I'm just, it's hard. For, I, sometimes, I'm not going to lie, sometimes I think my wallet is attached to my heart because when I pull it out, like, I, it hurts. Especially living with four women. <laughs> Who could do that? Who could give all they had to build the kingdom? Let's continue. I know there's a lot of us that go through seasons again when you truly cannot give, and that is okay. I need you all to understand that. I need you to just grasp, give what you can when you can and the most that you can. You know what I'm saying? Like if you can't give financially all the time, if you're going through a rough spell, give what you can. If you can't, then you can't. Some churches try to condemn you when you do not give money to the church. I want to look at Romans 8, verse 1. There is no condemnation from those who belong to Christ Jesus. This church will never condemn you for not giving. We will never do that. I need you guys to grasp something. I don't care if you give $1. If the Holy Spirit is involved, we can do a lot more with $1 from the Holy Spirit than we can billions that is not from the Holy Spirit. I believe the church has pushed this issue of giving money so much that it has become a reason why people don't go to church. Guys, catch this. They don't think they can afford it. Really? Think about it. They feel so guilty walking in there, and when that bucket's passed around, they're not putting money in it. They can't afford to go to church. I'll tell you right now, God's house is a free entry. It is a free entry. God, 
churches get so involved in finances, it makes me sick. If you can truly afford to give financially to the church, or excuse me, if you can't afford to give to the church, there's other ways that you can give, guys, and Bojo talks about this every single week, and that's your time, treasure, and talent. We're big believers in that, big believers in that. So let's say you're going through a financial situation where you can't give a lot of money. You can't give that, you know, you can't even give that 1%. You can't give those two copper coins. Find another way to serve him, you know? Ask, ask your pastor, what, is there something needs to be done around the church? Trust me, there are a lot of things to be done around the church. I can find something. I promise. There's always something, guys. And, and, and that's, that's the thing. This is what's cool about it. I guarantee you, if you couldn't give financially, I guarantee you, if you came to me, I promise you I'd have something. Because God wants you to be involved. If it's not financially, he wants you to use those, that you, your time or your treasure. I mean, excuse me, your talent. Your talent. And listen, I'll tell you this right now. I know I'm looking around at a lot of beautiful faces, but I know there's some talent in this room. I know there is. I've been around you guys. There's a lot of talent, and there's a lot of y'all that have a lot of talent and a lot of gifts that you ain't let out yet. If you can't give financially, find a way to serve the church. Find a way. Work for free. Never give money to God. Expecting money back. That's not how it works, guys. I want you to look at Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. I love this next line. Try it. Put me to the test. I want you to notice the word blessing, guys. The word blessing in Hebrew does not mean money. doesn't mean money. It means peace. He will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out peace on you and your family and the people that you love. Some of you are looking at this verse saying, Michael, wait, you just told us we didn't have to tithe, but it says tithe in there. Well, Malachi is in the Old Testament, guys, and that is the old law. We are now under the new law, which brings me into the next topic of this sermon series, which is what is old law versus new law? It's a good question, guys, and a lot of you asked it, and I know some of you are sitting here thinking right now, man, they didn't know that. Guess what? At one point in time, you didn't know that either. Okay, Ten years ago, I didn't know that. I'll just be honest with you. I didn't know that 10 years ago. I love the questions. Guys, y'all keep those coming. We're going to do it again today. If y'all could get two buckets at the back again, I'm sorry. We're going to do that the next couple weeks. But here's the thing, guys. Today, seriously, before you leave, if you got something else, write it down. Put it back there. If you got any questions, there are no bad questions. The only bad question that you don't ask is the one you don't ask. You feel me? Did I say that right? Okay. It's a victory when you ask the question because you're gaining in knowledge, guys. So what is old law versus new law? Again, I get a lot of questions about this. Uh, when you think about the old law, it's also known as the Mosaic Law. If you could pull that up for me, Nick. The law revealed to Moses by God, known as the Torah. It's the first five books of the Hebrew Bible. Okay? So that's, when most people think of this, they think of the Ten Commandments. When you talk about Moses and the Mosaic Law, you know, the ten laws that God wrote on the tablets when he came down off Mount Sinai, uh, however, obviously he had to go back up because people messed up. And then what a lot of you may not know is it's not just 10 laws. 
God ended up giving Moses another 603 laws, making it a whopping 613 laws that they had to, 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 to keep up with. And guess what one of them was? Tithing. It was one of the laws. We're no longer under that law, guys. We're now under the new law, which is grace law. Guys, when Jesus Christ died on that cross, he died for all of that mess. I need y'all to understand something. A lot of people say that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and he did, but there's something else that we're missing there. Another reason that Jesus died on that cross was to protect us from God's wrath, which was the old law. The minute that he died on that cross, the old law went away and the new law stepped in, and that's grace law. That's Jesus Christ. See, the old law, you had to keep up with these laws. And if you broke a law, you had to go sacrifice a lamb or a cow or whatever. You, you, get, you had to give them birds. I mean, it was all kinds of weird stuff. And of these laws, I need you to understand something. There's a lot of weird laws that were in this. Like one of them was, I remember I preached this not too long ago, if somebody was on your roof and fell down, that was your fault. Yeah, that's in the 613 laws. So here's my thing, and this is what I really struggle with when Pastors are constantly teaching 10%. If you're going to follow that law, I need you to follow the other 613. I'm going to go to the top of your roof. Y'all feel me? If you're going to follow that old law, you got to follow the rest of them. Can't throw one out. See, Jesus died so we could, and I need you to catch this real quick, okay? I'm going to say this, and then, and then don't freak out. So we could throw some of that stuff out. Now, there's a lot of great laws in there. Christian standards, Christian ways that we should live. Those Ten Commandments are solid. We should still try to strive to that every day, right? We should still try to strive to perfection the best that we can. Now, we're not perfect. Again, that's why Jesus came, died on the cross, gives us grace law. But what I'm getting at, guys, if you sin, if you mess up, here's the difference. When you sin back then, again, you'd have to go to the temple. You'd have to get a priest to walk you through the process, and, and, and you'd have to kill a lamb, and, and there's blood everywhere. It's nasty. Like, I don't want to do that. And, and then the priest would go and pray for you because you wasn't holy enough. When Jesus died on that cross, now we have a one-way communication straight to Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the difference in, in old law and new law. I've got some verses I want to pull up. Romans 6, 14. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Notice that word grace? Okay, I want y'all to replace that. Hear this. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under Jesus Christ. Matthew 5, 17. Don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Jesus died on the cross to accomplish this purchase so we didn't have to. Y'all feel me? Galatians 3, 24 through 25. Let me put it in another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law 
as our guardian. Now that we have faith, guys, okay, now we have faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we no longer need the old law. That's, that's what this is saying. That's what this is saying. Faith in Jesus Christ stomps out the old law. To continue to be bound to the old law is a slap in the face to our Father in heaven. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. If we continue down the old law, why did he send Jesus? It's like if you follow the old law, if you're following this old law, it, you don't, it, it's like you don't believe. Jesus gave us a new law in Matthew chapter 22 when asked by the Pharisees what the greatest law of all was. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Then that's some small lettering. Can y'all read that in the back? That's small. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love conquers all. The new law is love. Love conquers all. Every time you get ticked off and you throw a fit, you're not loving and you're, de you're defeated. Love, guys, that's what it's all about. Love, our only job, our only job. This is in red. This is Jesus Christ, and it cracks me up when people come to me all the time and say, well, Jesus said this, and Jesus said this. And Mike, I'm confused. How do I do this? How do I do this? Love people. That's all he wants you to do. Love people. Love God and love people. Love. It's pretty simple. This is the new law. This is it. This is all you got to do. See, the old law was 613 laws, 613 laws. And then Jesus comes in, and he says, this entire, okay, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. See, Jesus took 613 laws, and he condensed it for us. He gave us the, uh, what do you call it, you know, uh, cliff notes. That's what he gave us. He gave us cliff notes. Those two laws, guys, and they're both love. That's the new law. Follow the new law. I promise you, if you do that, the window of heaven will open and blessings will fall upon you. Amen? I want to go back to giving, and I want to tie all this together. People ask me all the time, Micah, why do you care so much? Why do you give so much? Why do you give so much of your time? Why'd you start this church? Why'd you do all that? Guys, I give because of what he gave me. That's why I give. And I'm going to tell you right now. What he gave me came out of the window of heaven. I have been blessed beyond measure. And I know a lot of y'all have too. In fact, all of you have because you're sitting here breathing right now. Guys, we give because of what he gave us. I need you to catch something. I ain't talking about money. I'm talking about time, treasure, and talent. You give because of what he did for us.
when you think about the pain and everything that he went through in the crucifixion, and he asked you to give a little money or give a little time or use one of your talents that he blessed you with, and we fight that? Come on, that's pretty selfish, right? Show of hands, how many people in this room have, have done that, have been selfish when he's asked you to do something? If you ain't raising your hand, you're lying. Or you just ain't hurt him yet. I want to end with this. I'm going to get the prayer team, worship team come up. The main things that I needed you to get today, number one, uh, we, don't, we don't tithe that this church will give at this church. We appreciate all that you've given. Um, and I do know, I do know that a lot of y'all have listened to that. In fact, this church was blessed this past week because of the obedience of an individual in this church. It's a perfect setting for this sermon today. And so many of y'all have given financially, spiritually, emotionally to this church. I need all of you to know that have given that time, treasure, and talent to this church. We're not where we are today without you doing that. I thank y'all. I thank you for trusting the vision that God gave me. And I thank you for trusting the leadership of this church. And the cool part about it, guys, is if we can continue to listen to the Holy Spirit the way that we have and grow stronger in that, we're just beginning. It's been really awesome to watch God move this church and work through this church. And what's really cool about it is in three years, we've preached on money two times. Quit concentrating on money in your life. We all do it. We all stress out. I was just doing it last week, paying the bills. Don't let your mind be money focused. Let it be spiritually focused. Let it be spirit driven, not financially driven. You feel me? I promise you, if you do that, it'll take care of you that on that side of it. It'll take care of the financial side of it. He always takes care of his children. He equips all that he calls not going to let something happen to you. Sure, you might go through some rough times. It can happen. But I promise you, he'll take care of you. And the other cool part is you got a church that backs you up as well. Need you to grasp that today. Number two, we are no longer under the old law. Y'all don't have to come to me to get me to pray to God for you. And thank goodness, because I ain't got the time. There's a bunch of sinners in this room. I mean, I'm struggling enough praying for me, you know. Guys, you got a one-way connection to Jesus Christ. Amen? There ain't nothing better than that. So here's my, my thing. I want you to think about this right now. You've got that one-way connection. Are you using it? Are you using it? Guys, it's a free call. Are you using it? 